Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone. In today's special episode, dating and relationship coach April Beyer is back as my much-needed and much-more-qualified co-host. For those of you just discovering our podcast, April has been a matchmaker for 20 years and is the founder of Level Connections, a unique dating service bridging the gap between dating apps and personal matchmaking. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, please look for the link in our show notes. We would love to hear from you. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified. With your host, Anna Ferris. April, it is so wonderful to see you. You're just like a comfort blanket for me. <laughs> Are you the kind of person that has New Year's resolutions? I don't. And I never do goal setting. What I did this year is I just really sat down and assessed my values, my three core values. And I decided that any decision I make this year, regardless of what it is, personal or professional, it has to fall into one of those buckets. And if it doesn't, it's a no. And that felt really good. And it also gave me direction for what I am supposed to be getting done right now. What about you? Are you a goal setter? No. No, because I always fall short. <laughs> yes. And also, I'm not sure I can fully identify them. One of my strengths and weaknesses is being the kind of person that is pretty all right with a Motel 6 room that may feel pretty unsanitary, <laughs> but a little bit of making the best out of the current idea. Does that make sense? So I like to think of myself as a little bit more go with the flow. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a strength. It is a strength. To me, that's why I love being here with you because I think we're just doing that, right? We're just in the flow. We're present. We're not planning or strategizing. That's where the truth comes. And I love that about you. I think that's great. And I feel the same way about goals. They're almost like into the future as opposed to like if the universe is knocking over here and you're like, no, 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 universe, I have this goal and I got to keep my eyes focused here, then you're not living. Yeah. And you're not making the best of things like you just said. And you're also giving up a degree of control. Like if my goal were to like win an Oscar or something, it makes me feel less powerful almost. Sort of giving myself up to a goal that there's just so many variables. Absolutely, absolutely. And how do you know that something different would come along, especially now, we shouldn't feel like we're falling behind the expectation of ourselves. All of my friends, my colleagues, my clients have been calling me saying, you know, why am I going from extreme highs to extreme lows right now? I'm reassessing my future, my career. I just talked to a friend of mine who's a Tony Award-winning producer, and he's like, do I really need another Tony? Do I have to do that? And my response was, no, like right now, don't think in terms of your life. 
just think in terms of how are we going to, as my friend Adam Markell says, change proof, right? How are we going to keep moving through this time and giving ourselves grace and patience and not doing something big and bold until we're inspired to do so? But everybody's feeling this. And that's what I think goals are really hard right now because no one wants to feel like they're failing or falling behind of those goals. It's like the train of ambition, if you were of that type, was like kind of derailed. And it didn't necessarily crash for all of us. For me, it was like the train's going to go through the woods for a while and over <laughs> a creek. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this is everywhere. I mean, I go from lying in bed at night going, why is my book not done, to the next day going, you know what, screw the book. I just want to decorate the house. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's like I bounce. I applaud that. I so applaud that. Yeah. I do. All right, so let's talk with Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hey, how are you? Oh, great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so very much for your letter. Will you tell us what is going on? Sure. So I am in a relationship with someone who I really love. And I would qualify it as my first real serious grown-up relationship. And he's kind and amazing. But a part of my history is that I have struggled with an eating disorder in the past. And I am trying to navigate how to bring that up. In past relationships, I didn't really think it was important, nor did I want to share it. But the more I'm in this relationship and it's growing, I feel like it is something that he should know. What a lovely impetus to bring up something difficult in your life. Yeah, he is so great, but he makes comments like I think men do that they don't realize are kind of insensitive. He's not shaming me or anything like that. Just little comments about like, oh, you didn't finish your meal or comments when I do finish a meal that you finished your meal. Great. And I'm not so comfortable in my body yet. I'm learning to love my body the way it is. And I'm not comfortable with pictures all the time. And he'll kind of make jokes about that. And it's all coming from a harmless place, I know, but I don't want to start to feel resentful towards him for something that he doesn't even know is a sensitive top for me. And I just don't know how to even bring it up without it feeling kind of self-indulgent because I think it can sometimes to bring up. You're a good woman, Amanda. <laughs> feel you on this. Even before I was an actress, my parents were always questioning my weight, whether it be too much or too little. And even now, when we have a meal together, they seem to be watching every bite I take. And of course, you know, actresses are always scrutinized and social media does wonders for your self-esteem. But would you mind telling us a little bit about your history with food and with appetite? Sure. I went to school for musical theater in college. I no longer pursue that, but <laughs> I was surrounded in a really intense environment where the director of our program would tell us to take the stairs and not the elevator. And it was difficult. And a friend and I kind of 
got in on this eating less pattern together and it turned into a bit of a combination of anorexia and bulimia. And that was in my early 20s. And I think 26 was really a big turning year for me. I feel really proud of myself and confident of how far I've come with the physical aspect of an eating disorder, but the emotional aspect is really hard. And I don't always love the way I look or my body. And I worry a lot about that. And getting away from counting calories every day is tricky. It's a hard cycle and it's hard to tackle it all. (laughs) I know. And you're clocking like all the minutia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My biggest question for you right now is what was the turning point? What shifted for you and what kind of support did you get? I went through a few therapists until I found the right one who I loved. I did an outpatient treatment and went about two times a week to see her, sometimes three times a week. And it just became too exhausting to live like that. And I realized that I needed to be better to myself. I think a big part too is I actually, I went back to school for special education and I work with two-year-olds right now. And being in the classroom, there's so much love. And I kept thinking I would never want the thought I have in my head to be something that these children are thinking too. So I need to treat myself better to model that to the community that I'm working with. I love it that you went into early education. I feel like there's this very direct correlation between performance, like people who are drawn to theater and also teaching, especially younger kids. I'm Mm. so happy for you. And I'm happy that you're in love. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. You were in a place where your heart was open enough. You were happy enough to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to choose like somebody who makes me feel wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. My mom says I finally stood on the right corner. So, (laughs) (laughs) But I totally feel you. I remember one time, like I was 13. My mom would never remember this, but like Starbucks was just blossoming in Seattle. I ordered like a latte or a hot chocolate or something. And, you know, I was asked if I wanted whipped cream. Of course, I wanted whipped cream. My mom was like, are you sure you want the whipped cream? (sighs) You know, those little tiny seeds that people think nothing of. Mm -hmm. Right. Are like, should I not have the whipped cream? Wait, what's (laughs) I really want the whipped cream. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. They linger. They sure do. Amanda, how long have you been with your boyfriend? We've been together for nine months now. We met like right after the pandemic opened up and we're actually planning on moving in together. Wonderful. Yeah. So he's truly your partner. He really is. Yeah. I've never felt so comfortable with someone and so myself. And I think that's a part of the reason why I want to share this with him because it feels like I'm holding something back. And I, there's a lot of secrecy around eating disorders and I'm so over having secrets. <laughs> like, I don't want to hold that in on my own. God, good for you. Well, part of this fear of being or sounding self-indulgent is kind of tied to everything else too, which is you have to put yourself first. You have to really give to yourself and love up on yourself before anybody else can. But the really good news is that when you met him, you have to imagine when you first start dating somebody, once you have one, two, three dates, there is full acceptance and appreciation about your look, your body, who you are, right? We don't know that on first or second date because that can either hit or miss. 
But once you're dating somebody in a relationship, you have to get over those thoughts in your head of, am I pretty enough? Am I thin enough? Am I tall? Because that person has already embraced you just by the fact that they're continuously dating you and they're in a relationship with you. So those thoughts have to go out the door. You already know that he finds you beautiful and perfect exactly the way you are. Yeah, I think that is a tricky thing too. Like we are planning a trip to the beach and I'm like, I can't wear a bathing suit. Like what if he dumps me? And there's always just this like Mm. fear in the back of my mind that like my body is not good enough. And I can hear that from you that he loves and accepts me for I am. But I think it's taking my mind a little bit to catch up with that. Well, he's seen your body. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anna, don't you agree? Don't you think we are harder on ourselves as women about our bodies than any men are? Like, they don't see the flaws. We do. They don't. Right. 100%. But I was also thinking earlier today how there's expansion in the spectrum of gender or beauty or intelligence. It's really exciting, I think, to like live in a world where it's like, if I believe I am beautiful— then fuck, I'm beautiful, you know? Like, or what does it matter? Have you guys noticed, like, if you look at store windows, if you've done any window shopping as of late, it's all sizes, heights, which is really inspiring. Yeah. If you look at fashion magazines, if you look at commercials, everybody, and that's our biggest step to moving forward, especially as women. We have to champion each other and embrace all of this. And Amanda, before we help you express this to him and share... It might be time to kind of get into the more of those fears. So if you can tackle the fear about looking or sounding self-indulgent, if you can tackle the fear of what if, what if I go on this vacation and I wear a bikini and he leaves me? We've played this game before, Anna, if you remember. It's like, it's the what if game that I like to do. So (laughs) you imagine like worst case scenario, like, okay, what if I'm in my bathing suit and this happens? Like, then what's next? What's next? So if you can kind of track that, you'll realize that at the end of the line, nothing bad happens. And also incorporating so that you're not just judging your own value on your physical being. You have to start doing self-confidence work of what traits do I have that I offer in this relationship? What am I most proud of? How does my boyfriend benefit from being in my life? Because we all, when we're in relationship, we benefit from the other person. And if we don't, we should get out. So if you can incorporate those traits, when you have those sneaky little moments of like, oh, you know, I don't want to be in a photograph. I don't want this. I don't want that. You can go, but wait a minute. 99% of my other thoughts are positive because I know that he is benefiting from all of these traits. Right. Can we just take a look at that? Like, why does this guy love you? (laughs) I would hope because, I don't know. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) This is your time to step up and be a little bit in the light. Like, you got to stand in the spotlight for a second. Because if you don't know why you're spectacular, we won't know either. So why is he drawn to you? Why did he date you in the beginning? And why did he choose you as his girlfriend? And why is he choosing to live with you in the next few months? Right, right. I think that I am caring and compassionate. And I hope he finds me as intelligent as I think I am. (laughs) Um, And we laugh a lot together. So there's humor that I bring and I'm a caretaker and I like to take care of him. 
cook him meals I and love that. make his bed. And he makes <laughs> you feel appreciated? Yes, all the time. Wonderful. That's a great question, Anna. Does he say things like, you're so caring, you're so compassionate, you're so smart? Does he ever say those things to you? Yes. In the beginning of our relationship, he was very open about what he liked about me before I was really comfortable hearing that. That was kind of new for me in a relationship. You mean the acceptance of compliments? Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if I've ever been with someone who's so like, I like you because you have family values. I like you because you have compassion in your life. And he wrote me the most beautiful Christmas card that made me cry. So (laughs) he does express these things and he's very appreciative. The reason why he expresses those things is because that's what he was looking for. And he has gratitude for those traits that you possess because he benefits. So you got to put your flag in the ground, Amanda. We don't need someone else to affirm our intelligence. We don't need someone else to affirm what we know about ourselves. If we know we're caretakers, that's not something that someone gave you. You didn't get caring and compassion from college. Those are natural-born traits that you have that are yours. And so they're like your rocks. And we do not need validation from people. Right. If your behavior making his bed, taking care of him, taking care of your friends, taking care of your families, is showing us that you are a caretaker personality, then that is just a fact. Right. So I think it's knowing those things first. I am these things, whether I'm with this man or not. Now, not everybody who dates us needs these things. Some men don't need a caretaker. Some men don't need, believe it or not, compassionate or family values. Your guy does. And so he celebrates you for them. So beginning there with your own core confidence before you speak up and tell him these things, because I can hear you and I can see you and I'm getting a little bit of the, like your shoulders are going up like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid. Totally. You got to get past your fear and just be like, you know what? Who cares what he thinks when I say this? Or it's, as long as I share it, that's what matters most. Can we show you how to do it with grace and beauty and proper execution so that you're heard and seen? Sure. But we got to start here first. Yeah, I agree. I am totally terrified of saying those things about myself. (laughs) What do you do, Amanda, to support the love of your body? Have you taken any movement classes? You used to be in musical theater. Have you ever taken like dance classes in recent years? I have not danced in a while. It's something that's on my bucket list to get back into. But I did do a yoga teacher training specifically for children. And it was also geared towards mindfulness. And I learned a lot in that and really love doing yoga and find it a time where I'm not judging my body and just kind of present in the moment there. Yeah, I took a class for many, many years with this woman who was a former Nike trainer. And what I loved about her classes is it wasn't structured dance. It was you just come in and there was no choreography and it was just move. And she actually was a dancer who was fuller bodied and she was just so hot and so sexy. And I realized in those days, it isn't about our weight. It's about how we feel about our weight. It isn't about our beauty. It's how we feel about our own internal beauty. That's, I think, what people respond to. April, how should Amanda share how she's feeling with her boyfriend? I really liked how she explained everything to us. Yeah, I agree. So when you were talking, Amanda, Anna asked you about your history, and you started with, in college, I was in musical theater. Does he know that about you, by the way? Yeah, he does. So that's a really good entry point. 
Babe, you know, when I was talking to you about my musical theater background in college, what I haven't shared with you is that it was such an intense environment. And a girlfriend of mine and I, we made a pact to like eat less. And what happened was it spiraled out of control. And I started disallowing myself food and watching my calories. And it became like an obsession, which then turns into, for so many people, and for me, it especially did, it turns into an eating disorder. I like starting there, like with your origin story. Yeah. As opposed to, bum, 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 I got to talk to you about something. I agree. I think that's a really nice way to approach it where it doesn't feel so bombarding for both of us. Yeah. And it feels like there's an explanation as well. Anna, don't you find it interesting that she works with two-year-olds, that she goes into early education? And <sighs> it's beautiful. To me, the impetus of that is... I want to make sure that young minds are fed beautiful words and inspiration and affirmation and confidence and education. That says so much about you, Amanda. Oh, completely. And truly, I can't stress enough, Amanda, how unfortunately common in our industry and people who want to pursue the performance road get faced with all of that stuff. Right. And I also know that there's the comfort in control of like, all right, well, we follow these rules and then... Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it just doesn't quite work like that and it shouldn't. Well, everybody's talking about like love yourself, but nobody tells you how to love yourself. Right, right. yeah. They just tell you like, oh, just love all of you, but they're not getting into sort of the granular of loving ourselves. So if you knew that you were born with certain attributes and traits, that builds confidence. And so if we're up 10 pounds or down 10 pounds or we're having a good hair day or a bad hair day, it doesn't matter because all of these other things are in alignment, right? right? You don't have to ignore this part of your life. You have to incorporate this part of your life and accept. So if we're going to accept what was and what is, we have to also just embrace and bring it all together because it is your narrative. You get to dictate and tell this story exactly the way you want to tell it right? because it's all been for you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that kind of embracing that this is a part of who I am rather than pushing it down. They think there's a, there's shame around going through an eating disorder and not feeling great about yourself. And I love the permission to embrace it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to say it so intuitive, but yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> yeah. I do. Because all of us have our fucking personal struggles. You may be inviting a conversation where your boyfriend can tell you something in his life that was really hard for him that he's been nervous to tell you about. Yeah. You know, it's brave of you to take the first step and growing closer. But, you know, it's like if you were sharing with your partner a movie you recently saw and you were explaining, you know, why the movie touched you or moved you or made you laugh, you wouldn't have trouble sharing that. So you have to think about this as your own film. So you're telling him the story. You're not worried about how he will respond. Your only design is, it is important for me to share this because it is important for the health and the wealth of my relationship. This transparency that I'm bringing us is going to deepen our commitment to one another because we're going to understand each other. If you're thinking of like, oh, I got to drop a bomb and I got to tell him this crazy, awful thing about me and he's going to judge me, you won't have the courage in the same way. So we just have to flip your switch and ask you, why are you telling the story? If you know why you're sharing it, and you have confidence about what it is, it's going to be very easy to sit down with him. I love that. And Amanda, I so get your reluctance to be photographed 
and the pressure. But maybe having this conversation will help him understand. And then you might even feel differently. Yeah, I think a part of that is social media makes it so hard to, even though it's your body, you don't have control over what people are going to post. And totally, it drives me insane. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We no longer think of photos with their intention, right? Which was supposed to be the creation of a memory in a moment. It wasn't ever supposed to be about the way we look. It was about... Here we were at Niagara Falls. Yeah. You know, I think if your boyfriend is saying like, well, why don't we take a picture together? He wants the memory with you and you're saying no to photos. You sharing this information with him is going to be so key to him supporting you. Yeah. I get the sense because of who you are, Amanda, and how happy this relationship seems that he lifts you up more than brings you down. Definitely. Yeah. Then I think you'll have the same kind of support. And if you didn't, if April and I sensed that, we would be giving you other advice. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. We'd be like, you need to leave him. I also feel like if his reaction was negative or not helpful, then maybe he's not who I thought he was a little bit, too. Yeah. But I get the sense that you probably are with someone who is somewhat predictable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm betting on his total understanding. And if the timing is right, I'm betting on him opening up about some stuff that's happened to him. Yeah. Or at least it will open that door to you guys growing even closer. Yeah. What I've learned is we get so reliant on that person solving our pain or solving our dilemma. And we have to be very careful Because this person that we're sharing this insecurity with doesn't have the same insecurity, and they may not have a reference point, and they may not be the best at a comeback. And we can't just throw our toys in the box and move and go, oh, well, screw it, that's done. We have to also give it some air. When I express my insecurities to my husband, I don't get the, oh, but honey, you're dead. I get, get over it. You're awesome. Like, it's almost rough. Right. And so I've had to kind of learn throughout the years that that doesn't register for him, that I would have a vulnerability or that I wouldn't feel confident. And so it almost angers him. But I've had to understand that that's his way of also just how much he loves me and how much he respects me. He never considers that I have these moments. I'm human. We're all human. Right. He could be confused. He could feel like a little impotent. Like, I don't know how to tell her. Like, how do I respond to this? It might worry him for a second. You have to be bigger and wiser than that and be like, okay, I'm going to just let this sit, kind of just roll it out gently. And I'm not going to rely on him to make me less insecure or fearful because that's not his job. His job is to say, honey, I'm so sorry. I love you. I think you're beautiful. That's it. But if he's in the constant state of reminding you of your worth, then we get into that troubled, deep water spot that we don't want to be in our relationships, and then we exhaust our partners. So it's you filling your cup, you knowing your value, knowing your core confidence, and then sharing this thing because you want the information so that he can understand when you do feel less than, when you do feel scared. That's it. That's all you're going for in this, right? Men don't make us more confident. Like, we've had reaffirmation of, like, what we already know about ourselves, but that's who we choose as partners. We choose the people that see the best in us and remind us of what we already know. 
Yeah. Well, April, I feel like you really are speaking to the bigger picture because I was thinking about what tools we could give to Amanda when someone is like, oh, you didn't finish everything or what, you didn't like it or like whatever the stuff is. I like the idea of building the foundation before the reaction to the minutia. Right. You know, you get to a certain age, Amanda, where you're like, you know, I don't really care what people think about it's me. It's a good age. <laughs> it's a good age. <laughs> Nobody talks about this part. <laughs> yeah, it comes with some wrinkles, but... Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> So what we can do is just gather the strength to be real. Like, yeah, I'm feeling not good right now. I don't want to be in a picture. Instead of, no, no, no photos. I don't have that strength. Right, right. I mean, Anna's a celebrity. (laughs) I wish I did. So she can say no photos, and she doesn't have to explain to anybody why there's no photos. No, no, no. I'm too worried about what people will think of me. Really? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm too worried that I'm not being kind, that I'm putting vanity over sort of generosity. And it also just feels a little easier to just sort of go with the flow in that moment and then just be like, I'm not going to look at it. It's just out. (laughs) See, Amanda, do you hear Anna right now? Yeah. Like, we all have our own stuff. She has it for different reasons. So she then puts her own stuff aside of maybe she's with her family or her husband or her kid, and she doesn't want to be talked to. But instead, her caretaker personality, the kind part of her, the one that wants to make everybody happy, goes, okay, I'll just do this. It wasn't what she really wanted because we're all fearing what will happen, what will people think of us. It's more important what we think of ourselves. Yeah, I relate to that so much. (laughs) You called us to say, how do I bring this up to my boyfriend because he doesn't know? But what I really want to get across is this isn't actually about that. This isn't about the conversation you have with him at all. Because we already know, listening to you, that this is going to land beautifully. And that this is going to enrich your relationship and give him the backdrop that will help him to be a better partner to you. Right. But there is work to be done on your side because you're still dancing with these thoughts in your head. He's great. You don't have a problem with your boyfriend. You don't have a problem with your relationship at all. And there's fun little innocuous things you can do, like getting back to those musical theater roots, dancing and loving your body, like really just getting in a class and moving. Yeah. Not to lose weight, not to think you're perfect. Yeah. Great. Amanda, I hope that we gave you some things to sort of chew on. And I truly can't thank you enough for your generosity and how strong it is to come on here and talk about this. Thank you both so much, too. This was so enlightening and helpful and like over time. Oh, (laughs) oh, good. And talk to yourself and protect yourself the way you do those two-year-old kids that you get to work with every day. You would never let anybody speak to them the way you speak to yourself. No way. (laughs) Remember that. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Amanda. Be well, Amanda. You got this. Thank you. Thank you. This was so nice. (laughs) Bye. Bye, Bye, hon. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I love that you kept the focus on core, not aesthetic at all. Well, I mean, you know, there's so much more to know. When we're judging ourselves, we also have to think about like, okay, well, I feel like I'm failing here. If we focus on that, we're going to have some dark days, but we have to balance, right? How do we balance when we're feeling adrift, when we're feeling low, we're having a bad day, a bad year? (laughs) What can we remind ourselves about that we are really good at or that is a gift that we possess? Too often we forget about that, and that's not prioritized enough. When women come to me and I say, well, here you are blank, blank, blank. These are your attributes and traits. They're like, really, April? That's that's all I need? Right. Everybody thinks that we need to paint on all of this stuff and that we need to be everything to everyone. I'm like, no, just pick three or five things that you know you are a rock star about, and then let's pitch that. <laughs> because I think we overthink what somebody will be drawn to. And clearly, for Amanda and so many women— second-guessing how to share things with their partner is never really about the partner, is it? It's always about our embracing of our own story. I love that idea. You've spoken about this before. Yeah. The idea of our narrative Mm -hmm. and what narrative we want to put forth. Right. Like, I'm imagining that conversation with her boyfriend unfolding. It'll be hard for her. You know, it'll be a little tricky, but it's not going to be the only conversation, nor should she think about it. So for anybody listening, it's not that one conversation. It's a series of conversations that you will forever be having with your partner. So when those things come up, right, those dark moments, you can say, oh, honey, remember the thing I told you back in January? It's coming up again. You know, those little thoughts are creeping up in my brain. And it takes the pressure off of having one conversation. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You can't take 25 years of something that's been sort of your cross to bear and then unload it in a 30-minute conversation and expect everything to be packaged up and done. It doesn't work that way. This is an ever-evolving process, and that's the way it should be. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, shall we talk with Megan? Yeah, let's do it. Megan! Hi. Thank you for your letter. Thank you for calling me. I'm so appreciative. I've been listening for ages to you, and I'm so grateful that you hold this space for people. So thank you. Thank you. Megan, will you tell us what's going on? Yes. So I'm calling you because I really want some advice on just like how to mind my own business, maybe get some tools to keep myself in check. This thing that's been on my mind is this relationship that is forming with my younger sister and my older family friend. And I, I'm trying to trust them. And I'm just like coming up with these feelings like something is forming there. And I'm recognizing that it's not my place to judge them in whatever's going on between them. But a little bit of backstory on them is I have a younger sister and she is 31. She has been in and out of relationships for like the past 10 years. Over the past four years, she's been engaged and broken it off twice. And she has a a kiddo who's six and she's a great single mom to her. So of course, all this concern I have is just coming like, I really want to make sure she's like on a good path. We want her to be okay. 
And then we have this family friend who I've been very, very close with for about eight years. He's 47. And over the past year, they've been talking back and forth on messaging systems. It sounds like they have some FaceTime together. And it seems like they've been pretty flirty. My sister has been saying, yeah, I have a crush on him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I kind of have a crush on her. She lives out of the state and they were together last summer. And I thought it was great that they were getting together. But um, when I was there with them, I wasn't prepared for the feelings that I had when I saw them together. And this is something is really why I want help is because I feel like I can't invest the energy or like the anxiety or the judgmental feelings that I have about them. And they're going to get together for a family dinner coming up in March. And I just want to be prepared for how to keep myself in check um, when they're here together. Megan, like I admire this so much. I always wished I had a sister. The fact that you want to attempt to fight some of these feelings that don't make you feel good Mm -hmm. is really admirable, I think. So I just want to commend you for that. Because in your letter, it does feel like you have little say in this. (laughs) Everyone's adults. Everyone should be able to do whatever they want to and have their own life experience. And I'm just realizing that I shouldn't be trying to control anything and a little embarrassed writing to you about it just to admit it. But I know everyone has these feelings. Yes. Can you give us a little context on the relationship with your sister, though? Yeah. My sister and I, growing up, you know, I'm older, she's younger. We didn't get along 100%. But then we did get closer after college, I would say. She kind of followed me to where I went to undergrad. And she usually calls me when she needs help with things, but she also calls me to like tell me what's going on with her life. I would say a lot of the conversations that we have are about her, but she's also grown into a good listener and you know, we have fun together too. But it is often she's telling me like, oh, this is not going so well with this person or this is not well with that person. So she's probably always looked up to you and she followed you to college. Who got the better grades? She has said that I am her role model. I did get good marks in school and it took her until she was about 30 to get her undergrad degree and she got it and she worked really hard. So yeah. And growing up, I would always invite her to hang out with my friends when they were around and she doesn't have a ton of close friends. So I know that I'm a constant for her and I I like being that too. Like we're sisters. Hmm. And then tell us about the guy, the friend. So the family friend... I think I said in my letter, he's always like looking for the one. He's a real genuine person. He loves to meet new people. He is a very, I call him a kinetic person. He will tell you his love language is touch. And that's the way he expresses himself. And over the years, him and I have been very close. He has said to me, and I've like gauged it too, that he's had feelings for me in the past, um, but we never pursued them. I've been in a relationship for 11 years now with the same person. He knows about this. He's also very comfortable with the boundaries that I'm able to set with my male friends and my female friends too. (laughs) And with him, he's told me some of the things that have gone on in the communications between my sister and him, like how she will write him after he posts a picture of him like camping. It's like, oh, I wish I was there with you. And then he'll tell me his response about that. So he has kind of an open door with me on what to discuss when it comes to his relationships and I've been really supportive of every relationship he's explored in the past. I want him to find that. The one where like, these feelings come up. Can you tell us a little bit how he's a family friend? I'm sort of a little bit curious about that element in terms of your parents. 
Yeah. So my parents divorced in 2007. And then my mom remarried someone probably in 2011. And that's when we met him. He was my stepdad's neighbor. And he knew him just because they lived next to each other. He comes over for family dinners. He comes over for Christmas sometimes. Over summer, we all go out with my mom's friends. And he is the life of the party. Like all of the ladies, all in their 70s and 80s are fawning over him and trying to come up with people. Would you ever feel comfortable asking him about this? And have you? I haven't talked to him about what I felt when I saw them together last summer. I'm not necessarily suggesting it. I just wanted to kind of get the lay of the land. Yeah, so what happened? I haven't talked to him about that before. He's just over the past year since my sister and him saw each other last summer. It sounded like something happened and they weren't interested in each other for a while. And just what I've told him and my family has told him because he's talked to my parents about this too. It's like, just be careful. Know that this is a family member you're going to be talking with. We haven't tried to like restrain him in what he wants to explore. Likewise with my sister, like just be careful. He's a family member. Like, Please know we see him as a brother. Megan, as I'm listening to you, when you shifted from talking about your sister to talking about him... I felt like this sadness come over you when you started talking about him. And I wrote the word down, loss. Is there like a sense of loss that you're feeling right now? Like you got kind of emotional for a minute. What is that about? Mm. I noticed I changed in the way I was expressing myself too, but I didn't see it as loss, which is funny. (laughs) I do feel like things have gotten different with him over the past year or two. And I feel like maybe it started when my sister and him started talking to each other. And like we haven't been talking as much and we haven't been sharing as much. So maybe that's what you're seeing that I hadn't realized before. Yeah. And since it's just between the three of us, I know you're in a relationship. We could ask you about the quality and the level of that relationship. I know it's been 11 years. But if you weren't attached, would he have been a possibility for you? I think that, and I talked to him about it, we'd probably explore it. But right now, the person that I am and the person that he is, and I've known him now for eight years, I wouldn't in this day, in this moment, do it just because of the person that I am in this moment and what he is now. I was thinking earlier how unfortunately human it is for us to have this inclination that the grass is always greener. I just, I'm picking up on something, Megan, that I think deserves exploration because Coming to this conversation saying, I want advice on how to mind my own business and keep myself in check, which sounds like you're trying to shut down what is real and bubbling up inside of you. And I don't think it's what you think it is. I don't think it that you're trying to control. I don't think it's that you don't know how to mind your own business. I think you're feeling something very deep and it needs to be brought to the surface so that we can give you the right kind of tools and guidance. Mm -hmm. Because the moment you started talking about him, your face kind of dropped and your voice kind of got a little quiet. You went into your throat a little bit, which makes me think like, oh my gosh, is there feelings? Like, I I know you're in a relationship and I know you can't go there, but it's like all of a sudden these two people that you care about and you've expressed that both have been part of your life in a big way and you like to be needed. And the only reason why I state this is because, Megan, I'm the same way. Like at, at the end of the day, 
the reason why we get involved in everybody else's lives is because we like to be needed and we want to feel significant, right? Mm -hmm. So your sister has been the person who comes to you for the older, more sage advice. You were her role model and he was more in your life. And now you've experienced both of them needing you less being less in your life. And that's what's happening. You're experiencing loss and you're feeling left out. It's not that you're trying to control two people. Does that strike a chord in any way? Not like a like a major chord, but maybe like minor chord. Okay, a minor chord. Right, because you were more connected to him two years ago before your sister and he started talking because you can't control what will happen. You couldn't possibly there's no way you can ask the other person to not. And also, there's trust coming up. I don't know if you trust your sister because you're saying, like, be careful, family, friend. The way you relate about your sister in and out of relationships, and we have to make sure that you access and understand whether or not you trust her and whether or not you have any confidence in her because that's what it sounds a lot like. Like, I don't trust her to take care of this in the right way because it could implode all of the connection and the family and everything else. Mm-hmm. that's what it is, is that you don't think that this has legs. If you thought it had legs and everything would work out fine, and let's say they ended up together and they would be happily ever after and in the more the merrier. But I think it's because you don't think that she's ready and then it might really derail everybody's relationship. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about how he behaves in the relationships you've witnessed. Mm-hmm. Is he always admirable? I guess my question is, does he have avoidant tendencies, which a lot of really charming people do? No, I've always experienced him as a great communicator. And if there's a problem in relationships he's had in the past, he's tried for months to try to fix them. Would you ever call him and tell him something like, I'm nervous about this. I'm not quite sure why. But when I think about it, it kind of grips my heart a little bit. And you're my dear friend. I want you to be happy. I want my sister to be happy. And I don't want you guys to feel like you have to keep things from me because of my weirdness right now. April, is this good advice? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, I think you said something kind of important. It's like, I don't know why I feel this way, why it's gripping my heart. I think we should figure that out today. Let's just talk about it. Why is this an issue? What is the worst thing that could happen? Who's going to get hurt? Yeah, I was thinking that too. Mm -hmm. Probably no one will get hurt. I will probably continue feeling this shouldn't have happened if things end wrong. I feel like it's me being selfish on what's going to go on with the two of them. 
I haven't talked to him about it. I do feel like I need to talk to him more about our relationship as friends and just like explore how it's changed because we haven't had that. We've just gone out and talked about life and work and how we're doing. And I think that could be a good thing to explore. Although now I kind of am walking back a little bit on this because I want to know how your partner feels about this family friend. Yeah, he really likes them and they connect on a couple of different things. They're both like mechanic people, so they talk about that. And in terms of my sister, he doesn't trust her. There's been just like in the past, my sister hasn't been 100% truthful on certain things. So this is unfortunately like a reputation that follows her. So I've been working with myself over the past couple of years just to like put more trust in my sister. And especially for when she's going to be hanging out with my friend, to like trust that things will. Yeah. Gosh, there's a lot here. There's so much, but I don't think you can. That's just it. If you have proof and data that somebody isn't consistent and trustworthy in the ways that you would like them to be, it's not our job to try and manufacture trust. It is only our job to understand and embrace that we don't 100% trust or we don't feel aligned with that person's decision making. Mm-hmm. You know, what is, is. And if you can't trust that she's going to do the right thing, because it sounds to me like your sister is still evolving. She is still young. She's still finding herself. She's still going to make her mistakes. His love language of touch and affection is really like lighting her up. That's why she's getting caught up in this. There's a part of her that really needs to be showered with that kind of affirmation. So for whatever it is, it's like a magnet because he gets to express that love language. She gets to receive it. So both are ignited from it. Neither one knows what this is. Trust me. Nobody is trying to create a relationship where they think this is the one. They're just being activated by each other right now. So if we go to them and go, hey, you guys, what are your intentions? And please do this carefully. I think it's going to go way over their heads because I don't think they know. There are people that live a little bit more in the moment. And by the way, your friend working super hard on his relationships is not always the best sign. Sometimes people work too hard for relationships that they shouldn't be in. And that's also a, a sign of a lack of readiness. Conversation for another time. But I don't think you should try to trust her. I think you should just trust the universe. <laughs> you know, trust that whatever happens, even if it derails, even if it's like a disaster, you can't stop the train. Can't stop the train wreck. Like, what if the train wreck is the catalyst for something really good for her, for him, for you, for the family? What if this deepens everybody's relationship, makes it more honest, and things might get a little messy for a little while? But I look at things like this as, okay, I can't stop it from happening. I'm not going to pretend like I don't care, because I do. So could I embrace it? Mm -hmm. We don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. And Anna and I keep experiencing the same thing, just with different stories with all of the callers, which is everybody wants to stop what is. Instead instead of just saying, okay, like, we're going to have to learn how to shift and be flexible. Nothing is what it was. People have changed in the last two years. It isn't just your sister and this guy talking over the last few years. We've also been in the worst time in our lives in the last 24 months. So everything is different. And what I think needs to be happening is exactly what you said, Megan. you got to talk to this guy. And it isn't about expressing your disapproval. It's just like we haven't had a heart-to-heart in a long time, and I miss that. I think you just start there and figure out what it is that you want, Megan. What do you want from him? What do you want from your sister? Before you decide how you're going to button it up and contain yourself, 
why not ask, like, what's my desired outcome here? And what is my biggest fear? Specifically, what are those two things, Megan? Do you know? No, I don't. But I would love to talk about them. I think that's a great idea. I love, April, the way you're framing it is just seeing it as that opportunity for and holding space for whatever might happen to let it happen. Yeah. Like I used to do this with clients. You know, I put people together for a living and I'm coaching and I used to be of this mindset of like, oh, I better call them because if they go out again on Friday, this is going to happen and I got to get in there and I got to protect and I got to, you know, everybody make a U-turn. And the older I get in my career, the more I realize, wait a minute, I can't be the boss of everybody and I have to let it be. Let these people make their own mistakes let them find their path and find their way through it. Because if you try to circumvent every uncomfortable moment, every disaster, those people never grow. They don't find where they're supposed to go, right? It's like children. You can't take everything away from them so they experience nothing. They've got to touch the hot stove and go, oh, crap, that's a hot stove. You can't do that again. So maybe that's part of it. But before you talk to anybody, you have to know what is your desired outcome? Dream of dreams. What would you want to see happen? And what is your worst case scenario? What is your biggest fear when you guys all get together again? Let's just say they've gotten together, they've hooked up. What is the worst possible thing that's going to happen? Yeah. And then go talk to him. You remember, when you have a conversation, you don't have to have your monologue already designed ahead of time. You just have to open the conversation. And then what will happen is if you provide space for him, a neutral space for him to share, his truth will come out. He might say to you, I'm feeling weird about this thing with your sister because I don't see a future. Should I stay away from that? Do you feel weird? Do you think that's going to upset the family? And then all of a sudden, you're just going to go, oh, <laughs> like, wow, he gave more than I thought he would. Has he ever been married, by the way? No. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's 47 and he hasn't been married yet. He thinks he's in love with love. This could be another temporary thing. And maybe that's why you are like, oh, God. So look at that. Because I don't think you're the kind of person, you're too smart, you're too intelligent, you're too knowledgeable to be this person of like, oh, I'm just going to make this simple and mind my own business. There's no such thing. It's your family, <laughs> you know? I mean, we're all integrated into our family's lives. You are especially. This person is a family friend. Your expression is valid. You're trying to control an outcome is valid. It's just... It's not useful. It's not going to give you the result that you want. Yeah. Don't want to feel like I need to watch the outcomes. Yeah. I wonder too, Megan, I almost think that the conversations should start with your sister. I'm a little sister and I know the thirst. Like you don't crave validation from anyone like your older sibling. And I'm not saying in an initial conversation necessarily to bring up the family friend, but before she comes, I think you give her like a super loving phone call because this will be the longest relationship you will have in your life. And when April said that you were starting to feel a little bit of a loss, there may be that subconscious thing that's kind of happening without you knowing it. The drift that happens with all relationships sometimes, but I would just give her love for a minute and she'll come to the visit knowing that you guys had this meaningful talk that made her cry, knowing that you really love her, you have her back, you love her daughter, like you are there. Mm -hmm. And that will help you with the next phase of things, no matter how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Your sister had a kid young, so she's got some growing pains, like some growing to do. 
but you got to let her experience those things. It just happens to be with somebody that is a family friend. But think about it this way, Megan. If you had a crush on somebody or you were kind of feeling a little bit of, you know, like that thing that we get when we first start talking to somebody and there's a little bit of connection on FaceTime or text, if somebody had told you not to explore that or not to feel those feelings, it would feel weird, right? Because whatever they're feeling, it's organic to them right now. doesn't mean it's permanent. just means like that's what they're feeling. In your letter to us, you said you feel anger, irritation, and discomfort. We want to know why. Can I throw another monkey wrench in? Because maybe this is part of it. I don't know. Megan, do you think this an extension of his feelings towards you? I'm not sure. We're very different people, but I had thought about that too. Because he did express some feelings for you. Yeah, he did. And I really like the advice that you're both giving me is, let my heart open and talk to them. Anna, what you're saying about giving compliments to my sister. Yeah, you can't give enough. You're right. We're so needy. (laughs) Yeah, she does. It's like the glass is always empty. So just fill it and fill it for her. Yeah. By the way, that's why this is so appealing to her and why her connection to him is overriding logic. Because if she is a glass is always empty person, Mm -hmm. anybody who gives her attention That's all she focuses on because there's like a wound and then that's the self. And so when you say she's been through relationships and they don't last or whatever, it's because she's not choosing from a place of abundance. She's choosing from a place of scarcity. So those relationships are fleeting. They're already designed to end and maybe not even end well. So I think Anna's right, which is her cup needs to be filled, not just by you, but by herself. (laughs) So that, you know, every time a guy goes, oh my gosh, I'm paying attention to you. She's not the person walking through the desert thinking that person's got the answer because they've got a glass of water. Mm -hmm. If you guys don't mind, I really honestly, I'm so curious, Megan. Yeah. Why are you angry about this? Why are you irritated? And why are you just uncomfortable? Yeah, I don't know. I wish I knew the answers to those. It's just like comes up inside of me and it's really loud. And this is the biggest it's been in terms of relationships. I could just be someone who likes to manage things in other people's lives. Like we were raised in a household like that where we were managed by our parents. And Oh man, that's hard. It's not an unfamiliar feeling. I feel it in other places. Like sometimes my partner will do something and I'm like, oh, there's that little voice again. With this one, it's extra loud. And I don't want to have to listen to it and... Maybe I just need to have a talk with that voice. Yeah, you do. Because the more you resist, the more it persists. It's one thing to feel like, oh, that cringy feeling of like, this could just absolutely implode the family. But it's another thing that you're so angry about it and that you're deeply emotional about it. So I think your own journaling, your own unpacking, going for long walks, like before you talk to anybody, asking yourself, what does this person mean to you? What would you lose if they got together? Mm -hmm. And also being honest about your own relationship. You know, are you fulfilled? Do you feel full in your relationship? Are you with the right person? April, you were talking about the reasons why the voice is like this. And I was trying to dump some of my thoughts down onto paper earlier. And I wrote down a word and I crossed out because I was like, I really don't like that word. I don't like that it came up. And it was like ethical. And I don't want to like judge based on ethics because they're so subjective. Like we do our own things. Like this is really me putting my own thoughts on it. And the first part of me, I was like, this isn't like the rules that we typically follow. Yeah. Were your parents very regimented and you said they were very good at like managing you all? Was that more of a strict upbringing that you had? It's the only one I know. So it's hard to tell. (laughs) 
Okay. Okay. My mom was more of the controlling one. She still is today. Like not super supportive of certain things that we'll do in our lives and she'll get upset about it. Um, when my sister uh, had her last fiance over for Christmas, my mom was like, I'm not going to come to Christmas anymore. I don't feel like I want to be there with him. I don't approve of oh. it. So yeah, she didn't come. My dad's been more supportive and just like open about things. Yeah. So we're dealing with... There's work that's called like family constellation work, which I always think is so fascinating because we realize we're picking up on patterns and traits and behaviors from parents and grandparents, like even grandparents we never even knew. You're just playing out that sense that, you know, you've used the word judgment and like rigidity of, you know, what is proper, what is, what was the word you used? Ethical. And so you were raised with a woman who puts a judgment on things. And then literally when she has a judgment, she'll pull herself out of that environment or out of that family dinner. So that's part of you because we can't help but have parts of our parents within us. So when you recognize that part of yourself, instead of being like, oh, I don't want to be that person, just say, oh, okay, I have a very strong moral compass. I'm super ethical. I'm pretty black and white about things. I definitely have judgment and discernment. Let me see how I can channel that and embrace things and also allow for spontaneity and allow for people to have their own moral compass. And that's hard, right? Because it isn't your life. You think it's your life because it will impact you, but you guys don't spend seven days a week together. And it's not the first time that somebody has gotten together that was a family friend. Letting go of expectation and outcome is a very, very difficult thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I think it's cool when we just roll the dice and we get out of the way of what is already supposed to be. Maybe this is supposed to be a train wreck, and then there's growth. And then there's more honest, transparent conversations. Who knows? But it's okay to express how you feel. It's not okay to hide what you feel. You know, you can even say to him, like, I'm not super comfortable with this. I'm so concerned that it's going to screw up the family dynamic or my relationship with my sister or my relationship with you. You can tell your sister the same thing, but you also have to give them blessing to do whatever it is that they feel is right for them at this time. Mm. This should not be making you angry. I can tell it makes you uncomfortable, but I think it's deeper. It's making you angry because you're feeling a little out of control. And I think it has to do with not having that kind of control, not having that kind of light on you. When your own life is operating the way you want it to, and it's busy, and it's great, you really don't even want to get involved in other people's stories because you're so focused on your own. Look within is my advice. And as far as tools go, keeping yourself in check for that gathering is just breathing, just like really breathing through that. And you've already had your conversations well ahead of time. You've been transparent. So if we put like the elephant back in the room, we don't ignore it. You could actually even have some fun with it at that dinner, right? Which is like, okay, you're totally. It's getting a little uncomfortable here, a little, a little easy. Like you got to just call it out and have fun, like put some light and fun into it because it's not cancer. No one's going to die from this. It's all going to resolve itself. It probably won't last. They don't even live in the same state. And if this kind of mucks up the dynamics for six months or so, or three months or three days, okay, let's see what it brings us. It will be. It's only a day. I kept telling myself that even before I wrote you. Yeah. I was like, it's a day. Why are you thinking about it so much? We've had so much time to overthink everything. We really have. 
I think the stronger you are in life, the more you have to express where you feel your vulnerabilities, because otherwise people don't know. The way your sister will grow is by you saying, this is making me feel really weird. And you might even want to tell her that one time he expressed interest in you. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether or not we like that person or we are in love with that person. But when somebody has expressed interest in us at any given time, even if it was a decade ago, once that person has their light on someone else, we're going to feel a loss. It's just human, right? It's like, ooh, like I don't want him, but that felt nice to be told that somebody had feelings for me, whether you wanted to reciprocate or not. And that's where you have to get super honest with yourself and go back to what did I feel when he first told me that he had feelings about me? How did that land on me? Right? Yeah. I think that's just my overall advice to you, Megan, is just be nicer to yourself. Don't judge yourself. You think you're judging others, but you're judging yourself. Be more transparent more with your heart, less with your head, and share your feelings, not your judgment. Like, I'm scared, you guys, instead of, I don't want you to. That is so wise. I'm scared, and I'm not quite, even quite sure why. I love you both, but I'm scared. That's vulnerable. Yeah, and you're right. It's almost like being the older sister, you have a duty to express your vulnerabilities because that helps you relate with them, too. Yeah, my, my husband is the eldest of three, and I'm the baby, and I'm so much better at that stuff because, you know, everybody was caretaking me, and my husband has such a hard time expressing vulnerabilities, and he's so often misunderstood as a result. Nobody comes to him with affirmation, adoration, applause, care, sensitivity. So whenever he has a reaction of anger to something in the family, nobody comes to his aid because they just see the anger and the judgment, not the real feeling that's forcing the anger and the judgment out into the front and center. That's the difference. It's my constant harping on him always, which is, why didn't you share your why? Why didn't you share why you're upset? Instead of all you showed was just the tough guy. Nobody's going to respond to that. God, yeah. Right? My brother and I, we, we had never been really close growing up, even though we grew up in a close, loving family. And then when he went through his first divorce, it was amazing. Like, I loved being able to have his back. I loved it. It was the first time in my life that I was able to like show up for him. And I got to know him in a different way because he kind of let me though, you know, which was really wonderful. And we're super tight. I don't think I've ever let her come that close to me. If she tells me something, I hear it. I know it's really nice words. And I've noticed this in myself. If she gives me a compliment, like the value of it is different than if my best friend is giving me the compliment. And if I have a problem, I usually go to my best friend and not my sister for it. I think it's interesting that you just accessed that about your sister, Megan, which is when she gives a compliment, it doesn't hold the same water as it does if a friend comes. So that tells me that you don't trust and respect her in the way you do some friends. She's a little baby sister to you. It feels like somebody you have to mommy and you have to let go of that. You're a sister. You're a sibling. She's a grown woman now. She has a mm -hmm. child. She might have things that she does that are not in alignment with where you're at, but you have to let go of the mothering now and allow her to be a mother and to find her way because she will mature through these experiences where she gets a divorce, where she falls on her face, where she has a bad experience with a, a relationship, where something is fleeting or she's chosen the wrong one. You can't prevent that because you're not seeing what she's capable of yet. And everybody has value in our lives. Even if we don't agree with our choices, if they give you a compliment, 
It's coming from their experience. And so therefore it is valid and you need to receive it and respect it. Yeah. And how great would it be if that value was even more like you're saying? It would be changing how you're relating about this guy because you would be like, I respect her. And if she feels like she's got to go down this path, like I'm going to back her on it. You would be doing something different right now. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. There's lots of things to think about. (laughs) There's so many things going on in this story. (laughs) It's a lot of dynamic. Yeah. I hope that you grow closer to your sister. I'm sure you guys are close, but I hope that she can grow stronger through your love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've given me some great things to think about and I'll prepare and have these conversations, which I'm looking forward to. Good. Good. That's awesome. I love it that you're looking forward to because I think you'll get a lot out of him. And you'll feel a sense of liberation, which will only lead to strength. I mean, in your letter, you were so articulate and very self-examining. And I sense that you don't want to be feeling this turmoil that you can't like tackle. Not at all. You're right. I think in working through this and instead of keeping myself in check and just exploring it and like April, what you're saying is the possibilities like turning everything upside down or like putting a mirror to it and like having fun with it. Everyone likes to have a good time. Yeah, you will. Encourage yourself to explore and open your mouth, open your heart, open your thoughts, your feelings, get out of your head. That's what you should be aspiring to do, not how do I button this up? (laughs) Yeah. Megan, I so appreciate you writing to us and being so open. Well, thank you. I feel lighter after this conversation. Good. I am going to re-listen to what we talked about so I remember everything and start these conversations. I really enjoyed hearing you, both of you, so much whenever you're speaking with your guests. I can feel it. And I love you for that. So thank you. Oh, thank you for that beautiful compliment, Megan. We appreciate you. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye, Megan. Bye. You know, what's interesting is she said that she felt that were missed opportunities to set boundaries. And I think she was talking about her sister and this guy. And I don't think there's any such thing as missed opportunities for boundaries because usually boundaries are learned because they've been crossed. We don't know what a boundary is until we're like, oh, there it is. And so I look at it as, okay, now that I know this and I know that's my threshold, where is the opportunity to assert a boundary going forward? But boundaries aren't any good unless we express to the people that we're talking to why we're having that boundary. So instead of saying, hey, sister, you know, you always call me when you need help and I never get it from you and you got to call me less. You can say, listen, you know, I'm stretched this week or, you know, I'm feeling vulnerable. So I may not have time to give to you. I can't pour into you today. And here's why. Or, you know, you're chronically late or Whatever that is, right? Right. So boundaries are only as good as we're willing to share the why we have them. And I think looking for Megan, I think it could be fun for her to think of all the new opportunities that are coming her way. Me too. Yeah. I think it could be a lot of growth with her. I love you, April. Love you. Bye, Don. Bye. Bye. 